I'd like to invite you to go with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 26, Acts chapter number 26, and I invite you all to go by and get one of our prayer cards on the way out. Now, here's a cheesy way that you can remember to pray for our family, and this is the time when my teenage kids might roll their eyes a bit and accuse me of telling another dad joke. I don't know if any of you guys get that as well. But we're in that, t- that great time of the year when you walk outside and the weather's a bit brisk and a little cool and you find yourself often saying, oh, it's a bit chilly outside today, right? <laughs> now, when you say that, remember, there's some missionaries in Chile and God is doing a work and we need to pray for them and pray for the young churches and the pastors and all the things that are going on there. And this time of the year will give us Many opportunities to do that, right? So pray for, pray for our family, or maybe if you're eating a bowl of chili or something with chili peppers, there, there's a, you can go on and on, all right? But pray for our family, and if that will help you remember, then it will be worth it all. All right, Acts chapter number 26, we're going to start reading this evening in verse number 12. Before we start reading, to help get a little context here of what's going on, Paul now is in the latter stages of his ministry. We're getting close to the end of the book of Acts, and he is he's waiting trial. He's uh, there imprisoned and, and waiting for the opportunity to present his case, and the reason why he is there in prison is because he had preached the gospel, and the Jews didn't like that, and they're in Jerusalem and all the things that we know that have gone on before, before this. And as he's waiting trial, several opportunities come up for him to go before different religious, I'm sorry, different political leaders and to explain a bit what's going on there in his life, what's going on there in his particular case. And in this particular chapter, he's standing before King Agrippa, And he's sharing some of his testimony. And he's sharing about how he ended up moving from a Pharisee that was fighting against the cause of Christ and fighting against the church, how he moved from there to be one of the greatest proponents of the church. And now he's in jail for preaching the name of Christ. Verse number 12, we'll kind of jump into the story here. Paul speaking, he says, Whereupon as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this evening that you've given us to come together in your house. We have a great desire to hear from you and your word and to be encouraged by the testimony here of Paul 
And I pray that you would work in our hearts and that everything that's done and said will be done to honor and glorify your name. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here we see Paul, he's sharing this story. And it's so interesting to me because he, he tells about this purpose that God gave him. The purpose of taking the gospel to the Gentiles. And he finishes that, that part and he tells the king in verse number 19 that he was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Jesus showed up. He's on his way to Damascus. He's, glowing, he's going there to close the church down, to put the Christians in jail. And we know that Paul even oversaw some that were put to death. And here Paul is on that mission. And as he's going there, this bright light from heaven, if you can put yourself in that, that situation. And he hears this voice that comes and he knows this is a message from God. And he looks up and he asks the question, Who art thou, Lord? Maybe expecting the voice of an angel, or I'm not sure exactly what he was expecting, but I'm sure he wasn't expecting the voice to answer back and say, I am the one that you're persecuting. You know, no doubt there, Paul, his mind is blue as he's thinking, wait, I'm fighting for the right cause. Now the one that I'm fighting against is coming to me from heaven, from God. This is, no, wait, how can this be? And all of a sudden, and all, all of these things are going through his mind, and he's realizing that the studies that he had done from the Old Testament and the Pentateuch and the prophets and all these scriptures that pointed to the, the Messiah, uh, he's realizing that Jesus was that Messiah. He was the one that fulfilled the prophets and fulfilled the Old Testament. And here Paul is led to Jesus by Jesus, right? And he puts his faith in him and his life is changed. And Jesus says, I've come to you for a purpose. And then Paul later says in verse number 19 that he wasn't disobedient to that purpose. I don't know about you, but I want to I get to those last stages in my life and be able to look back and say, I've been faithful to the purposes God's given me. I've been faithful to do what God's given me to do. I've always thought of myself as the young missionary. We went to the mission field just shortly after graduating from Bible college. And I've kind of had in my mind all these years, I'm a young missionary. And my wife and I, we're young and we're just kind of getting started in this early stages of ministry. We're back on this furlough and I've been talking with several young people that are interested in missions and preparing for the mission field. And some of those young people were born after I graduated high school. And I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'm no longer the young missionary. Maybe I'm more like the middle-aged missionary, right? So the years start going by. But if the Lord doesn't come back and if he gives us good health, well, there's plenty of years to live to serve him. And I hope to get to that latter stage and look back and say, I've been faithful to do what God's given me to do. I've run my race well. I've, I've stayed with what he has given me to do. Now, this text, I think, can teach us a couple of things about that. And I think the first thing we can learn is found here in verse number 18. And if we're thinking about how to finish well what God's given us to do, we need to understand what God has given us to do. In verse number 18, the Bible says that Jesus is speaking here to Paul and he's being sent to the Gentiles to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Jesus is speaking, the faith in him alone. 
is, is what gives that forgiveness of sin, salvation. You know, we're working in a country where the average person on the street would say they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross, He was buried, and He rose again from the dead, and He did that for our sins. That sounds wonderful, right? They say they believe the Bible, which is great, but they also believe that what Jesus did on the cross was not sufficient, and that we must spend our entire life doing the best we can do at everything and fulfilling a list of, of teachings that religion gives us. And maybe what we do, if we bring that together with what Jesus did, then maybe we might have the opportunity to make it into heaven, although it's pretty doubtful and we need to get a lot of others to pray for us that maybe we can move on into eternity with Christ. But the Bible teaches us that faith in Christ alone is what gives us forgiveness of sins. Here's the what of ministry. Moving from darkness to light. Moving from the power of Satan to God. Moving from having that sin debt that's unforgiven and there's no way to pay this debt to having that forgiveness of sins that we can only find in Christ. Having that inheritance that we get from being a child of God. That is what we have all been called to. Whether you're serving in Chile or here in this area, God has called us to the purpose of sharing the gospel with others. And apparently there was a good message this morning about that, right? Soul winning, sharing the gospel with others, helping those that are living in darkness to know the truth of the gospel. This verse reminds me of so many testimonies there from Chile. I remember back when we started our very first church, Iglesia Bautista Fe, Faith Baptist, there in, in Santiago. We have been out knocking on doors and inviting people to the first service, sharing the gospel with them, and just trying to meet as many people in this brand new neighborhood where we were at. Uh, you can walk out of the front doors of the church in about a 15-minute walk in each direction, just a little less than a mile. And there's about 50,000 people in that circle and because it's a predominantly pedestrian society where people walk to get to many places, if you go just two or three miles down the road in each direction, there's entirely new pockets of, uh, of, of people, of neighborhoods that need local churches. And I remember as we were out there working in the area, uh, meeting a lot of people, we invited them to that first church service that we had and we preached the gospel there. Many of the neighbors came out just to see what is this crazy gringo doing in our neighborhood? What is this all about? Who is he? And we shared the gospel there with them. One of the young men that came that day was a 14-year-old teenager named Pancho. Pancho didn't look like the typical teenager that would be interested in church. He came in all dressed in black leather and chains and had some kind of heavy metal t-shirt on, had headphones in, and you could hear the music several feet away from where he was. His hair kind of covered half of his face, just a real gothic kind of look. And I was excited to see him there with his mom, but it wasn't the typical kind of uh, teenager that you would think would be interested, right, there in the community. Well, Buncho's mom never came back to the church, at least for a decade or so, but Buncho started coming back around. And he would come one week, and we would, wouldn't see him for a few weeks, and he would show back up, and he was kind of halfway in and halfway out, a bit on the fringes during those early months we would have pizza with the teenagers and he would show up and then we wouldn't see him for a while and then he would come back around, always dressed the same, always headphones in. Sometimes he would take them out during the preaching. Sometimes he wouldn't. And I'm even thinking, why are you here, right? Well, the church began to grow and 
people were being saved, and we were excited about it. And there was Pancho, kind of on the, on the edge. He made a profession of faith, and there seemed to be a little bit of fruit, but not, not much. And that continued on for weeks, and for months, and for years. Pancho was maybe once a month, maybe twice a month there at the church. We would follow up with him and try to get him involved in discipleship several times. And he was kind of there on the edge. We were praying for him, praying for him and following up with him and really focusing on others that were growing a little more quickly. And about five years in, by then, Pancho was a freshman at college. And we had teen camp, summer camp in the obvious month for summer camp in South America in February, the first week of February, we all took off and went to teen camp, and Buncho decided he was going to go along as well. And during that week, God began to grab a hold of Buncho's heart. As he heard the gospel preached and the Bible preached, and we were challenging those teenagers, and he got confirmation. He knew he was saved, but he wasn't living for Jesus, and his life was given over to other things. As a teenager, he got involved in different political groups, and they were rioting and protesting against the government. He would be on Saturday burning stuff in the street and throwing rocks at police, and Sunday come to church with his Bible, trying to figure out things. And here he was at that teen camp saying, Lord, I just want to live for you. He came back to Santiago, started reading his Bible every day, coming to church every time the doors were open, and he started growing quickly. And the changes that were happening on the inside, we began to see on the outside as well. Six or eight months after that camp, he came to me one day and he said, you know what, I think that God has a different plan for my life. And I'm preparing to be a teacher, a high school teacher, but I can't get away from the massive need in our city and in our country. And there's teenagers like me that need to know the truth and families like my family that need to be reached. And I think God is calling me to preach. I think he's leading me to be a church planner. Do you think God could do that with my life? And of course, as a missionary, you know, I'm, yes, of course, there's nothing too hard for God. And I I doubted you. No, I didn't tell him that, but (laughs) I never thought anything was going to happen with you. But look what God's doing. This is amazing. A few weeks went by as he prayed about it, and he, he knew that's where the Lord was leading. He went home and told his parents, I'm dropping out of the university. I'm going to go and prepare for ministry, meeting in these back rooms of the first church there in, the, in Santiago of, of our ministry. I'm going to prepare for ministry with this missionary. Well, his parents, they were furious. They couldn't understand why Pancho was throwing everything away. How in the world would he do this to his family and walk away from this future? The first person in their family to make it to the university. And he's given that up to follow this little church plant that they didn't even understand. His parents threatened to kick him out of the house if he moved forward. His grandfather, who was paying the bills there at college, said, I'll never talk to you again. You won't be part of the family. And Pancho was deciding between do I serve Jesus and follow him Or do I I follow my family? And in Latin America, family is a big deal. Well, he thought about it, and he knew what he had to do. And he decided, I'm going to follow Jesus no matter what it cost me. Thankfully, his family didn't kick him out of the house. And after a few years, they were actually supportive of what God had led him to do. 
Bunchu began to serve in the local church even more, started there in the Bible college and ended up finishing all those things. And about four years ago, Pancho and I went out and started Liberty Baptist Church there in Santiago. He's pastoring that church there while we're back on furlough. I got a text message today. Three or four people were there for the first time. Somebody was saved. What an exciting thing to see somebody like Pancho move from darkness to light, to move from the power of Satan to God. To have that forgiveness and that inheritance that we have as children of God. That's what missions is all about. But if we had time today, I'm sure we could hear testimonies of amazing stories of God's grace. Even among this room today of lives that have been changed. Because this isn't the work of a missionary. This is the work of every Christian, right? Sharing the gospel with others and helping those that are living in darkness to know the truth of the gospel. Last year, I was at Liberty preaching there with Pancho in Santiago, Chile. On Sunday morning, a man walked through the back doors named Jose. Jose came in with his wife and his three children, his three teenage children. They came in about 20 minutes after the service started. Not unusual for Latin American culture. And we were finishing up the song part of the service and moving into the preaching time. And I was preaching that morning. And I remember at the end of the message, when I got finished preaching, the last day men, Jose was out of his seat, out the doors, walking down the sidewalk. So I took off after Jose to introduce myself to him. And I introduced myself and he looked at me and he said, I want you to know that I'm not here because I need any help because I don't. I'm a good man. But my teenage kids, they need some help. And so I'm here because I'm hoping you can do something with them. I don't know if anybody came to church this week thinking, I don't know if I should go this week, but my kids sure need it, so we're going. It's probably not the best attitude, right? But here, that's what Jose told me. As I talked with him, I realized quickly he wasn't a believer, and he was trusting in his religion. I told him we would do everything we could to help his family. We look forward to getting to know them, and we will help his kids any way we can. Pancho's here, and he'll do a great job. Well, that next Sunday they came back and they started coming every Sunday morning as we were trying to follow up with them and share the gospel with Jose. Time and time again, he would say, I'm not a sinner. That part about being a sinner, don't call me a sinner. And we would even take the Ten Commandments. All right, a sinner means you broke God's law. Let's look at the Ten Commandments. And he would say, all right, well, maybe I'm not perfect, but don't call me a sinner, okay? And he, he wouldn't, wouldn't admit that he had a need or that he was not a good person, even after seeing evidence in the Bible. Was well, teenage children begin one by one to understand the gospel and to put their faith in Christ. His wife was even saved by God's grace. But Jose, he was, he was hard, but we knew that the Lord was working in his heart. We had a missions conference there in the church back in July of last year. And on Sunday morning of the missions conference, we were talking about faith promise and how to be a part of giving an offering to missions. He came up to me afterwards and he said, okay, if I understand this right, you're saying that we can designate an offering and we can help start more churches like this. That's great. This church has helped my family so much. I want to do that. I want to be a part of missions. But I knew that Jose was still an unbeliever. And I knew how Jose earned a living. Monday through Friday, he had a shop at his house where he made statues. And he sold those statues to people who would take them home and they would bow before the statues and light candles before the statues. And in their mind, they're handing their prayers off to the statue and the statue is then giving those to God or the person the statue represents. And what the Bible would call an idol 
Jose is making and selling, and he wants to bring money from his idol sales to church to support missions to help start Bible-preaching churches. And I'm thinking, oh, man, these are one of these crazy things that, that, that happen sometimes. And, well, you know, what am I going to tell this guy? His wife's excited. His kids are excited. They want to be a part of what's going on at the church. Jose is close to being saved. He thinks he's already good with God. And so Jose started supporting missions. He was close to being saved. And we began to continue to pray for him and share the gospel. Several months more went by. And before we came back on this furlough, on a Sunday morning, Jose realized that he was a sinner in need of a Savior. And he bowed his head on a Sunday morning and put his faith in Christ alone and was saved by God's grace. A couple of weeks after that, he told me, I want you to be praying for me. I'm thinking about transitioning the business, maybe opening up a sandwich shop or a chicken shop or something like that there at the house. It was exciting to see the change already happening. And where did that happen? That happened in the church where Pancho is pastoring and preaching week in and week out. What an exciting thing, seeing people move from darkness to light. That's the what of the purpose God's given us. Here in verse number 16, Jesus says, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. And he explains a bit about that in verse number 18. Now, the what of the purpose God's given us, we might all have that clear tonight, but it's good to be reminded about it. But the truth is, the how is the part that sometimes I struggle with. I understand what God wants me to do, but how can I do that? As an 18-year-old, I knew God was leading me to the mission field, but I thought, how could I uh, a young guy from Georgia that my worst class in high school was Spanish. I didn't understand it. I didn't want to understand it. I, I wasn't comfortable standing in front of people and speaking and things like that. And I thought, I don't have any of the gifts and abilities for what you're putting in my heart. I know what needs to be done. The world needs to be reached. But, and I know how you're leading me, but how can we do this? How can we step out by faith and raise support? How can we get to language school and learn the language? How can we get to the city of 7 million and start a church? How can we train these guys and help them go out and start more churches? How can in the next term, possibly, Lord willing, the ministry could double in size and all the things that go along with that? How? We understand the what, but how? Paul helps us with that. Look what the Bible says in verse number 22. Paul says, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. I like that part where Paul says, all I'm doing is preaching the Bible. I want you to know, Agrippa, I saw Jesus, put my faith in him. He gave me a purpose. I've been faithful. I want you to know I've done what he's given me to do. But the way I've been able to do that is because I got God's help. Amen. Sometimes we think, or I think, Paul's almost like a superhero. He's got these special abilities. I can never compare myself with him. Here's Jesus, and here's Paul, and here's the rest of us, right? And sometimes we use these, these excuses to, to think that we could never do anything for the Lord and take steps of faith. But I want to encourage you this evening. We have a purpose that's been clearly given to us by the Lord. And with His help, there's nothing that's impossible. God can help you. Here we are in a great time of the year. 
September. Everybody's getting back to a good schedule. It's a great opportunity to reach out into the community, share the gospel. It's a great opportunity to be involved in your church, to be there by your pastor's side, to get more involved in the things that are going on here. There's not a better time in the year than the fall to be involved in God's work and rushes our, our, our doubts and, and fears rush into our mind and we think about all the reasons why we can't do what God's leading us to do, but be reminded that with God's help, with God's help, we can step out by faith and obey the Lord and do what he's calling us to do, what he's leading us to do. I want to encourage each of you this evening to realize that he saved you for a purpose. And that purpose is to help others know him. And we should use our gifts and abilities that he's given us to help others come to a clear understanding of the gospel no doubt in this community, there are many that have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. And God wants to use you to make that possible. There's areas around the world that there's no Bible preaching church in their community. And God could use you maybe to leave from here and be sent from here to go and to plant a church that would preach the gospel. And God can use you to be a part of the missions outreach of this church to help others go and be sent and to reach others with the gospel. Let's step out by faith to be faithful to what the Lord's calling us to do, leaning into his help every step of the way. And if you've never placed your faith in Christ, the, the stories of Pancho and Jose encouraged me because Pancho was someone that really didn't care that much about religion, but realized that he had a need in his heart. And on the other side, someone that was very religious, but realized that religion was not going to save his, his soul. But Jesus died for all, and we all need him. And I encourage you today to not leave here without understanding the truth of the gospel. There are men and women who can take God's word and show you what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Let's pray together as the pastor comes forward. Father, I thank you for Paul's example, and I thank you for how he encourages us to remember that we all have a purpose that's been given by you and that with your help, we can faithfully continue day in and day out. Pray that young men and young women, boys and girls, moms and dads, that all of us will be challenged about serving you, following you, getting the gospel to the world in our generation with your help. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.